ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the In Control Family Foundation podcast. Today we are once again talking about teen drivers, and hopefully there's some parents out there listening to us and learning how to keep their teens safer. Our subject today is sharing the road, and I have with me Jeremy Randall. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Dan. And I also have Stacy Boutel from Walk Boston. She's the executive director. And hello, Stacy. Hi, Dan. Thank you again for joining us, Stacy. I, I want to give our listeners a chance to hear a little bit about what brings you to the table and, and how you got involved in Walk Boston. Sure. So um, I got involved in Walk Boston about seven years ago. I am a landscape architect and urban planner by trade by training and was interested in ways of working with a mission-based organization that was really looking to improve safety and make the world a better place. So I got involved with Walk Boston then and spent a lot of my time across Massachusetts teaching and learning from municipal staff about how to create environments that are safer for people to walk, that increase walkability in downtown and small town centers. And we do this for reasons of economic mobility, to address climate change issues, and to reduce the number of traffic fatalities that we see with people walking and biking on our streets in Massachusetts. Now, you are the perfect person to have when we're talking about sharing the road. So, Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and get us started and talk about scanning the street for wheels and feet? Anytime you're driving in a vehicle, you know, you're talking about a, a vehicle that can go pretty fast, you're, you're surrounded by a metal box, and it's supposed to be made as safe as possible for you as the occupants. But what we need to do as drivers, and we need to teach our young drivers, is to make sure they're looking for anybody else that might not be as well protected on the road. So not only the other cars and objects and trees and whatnot, but there are people walking around and bikes on the road. And we need to make sure that we instill in our young drivers very early on how important it is to make sure that we're always scanning the road for bicycles and pedestrians and anything else that might be out there on the road with us uh, sharing our roads. And I think it's worth pointing out, it's 2020 right now while we're recording this, and we've seen substantial growth in bicycle use on our roads, and that's only going to get more. And as far as pedestrians, we had mentioned, you know, just prior to recording, we're in the midst of this pandemic, and people are walking, at least in the suburbs, I think more than they might have been. The cities, you know, maybe you're a little quieter with fewer people in there working, but you were seeing a lot more pedestrians out there. And I know just from the vehicle distractions that people have been bringing to themselves, you know, whether it's their phone or their dashboard or whatever they choose to distract themselves with, we've seen a pretty high increase in pedestrian fatalities over the last decade for sure. And Stacey, I'm sure you could talk more detail about that. I can. And also, I think it's important to remember too, during this pandemic, you know, all of us are, it's suggested and recommended that we maintain this physical distancing of six feet away. Well, your average and your actually would be considered wide sidewalk is only five feet wide. So really, you may be finding that people are walking in the streets purely because they want to pass somebody and give them that six feet of distance that they want to do in order for public health reasons. So you may see people walking in the street for that reason. But again, as as Jeremy and Dan mentioned, there are so many more people out walking for exercise there uh, and just to get out from our from our homes, given the current situation. And unfortunately, we've seen in Massachusetts over the past month, incredible increases in the number of drivers that are speeding as a result of having less traffic on the roads. So it's important to remember that just because you have a lot of space and maybe a wide street, that driving in excess of the speed limit is really not a great idea in general. 
but also given the current conditions with people out in um, areas where you may not necessarily expect them walking and biking. So good to, good to bring that up. Yeah, I think I'll take one more second to speak to something that I've heard come up in a few of the conferences we've attended, where I've heard other organizations refer to pedestrians and bicyclists in a, in a bit aggressive manner. You know, comments about pedestrians with their heads down in the phone and, and not paying enough attention as they travel across streets or into traffic. And, you know, my feeling has always been the person who's driving the multi-ton vehicle at excessive speeds is really the person holding the cards in the life or death situation of who's going to you know be okay. And if you see someone who's about to cross a road, it would be great if that person did make eye contact with you and stopped, you know, if you were pretty close to where they were coming to come across the road, but the reality is that's not always how things work. And you can have little kids who dart out into the road. You can have adults who just aren't necessarily, regardless of any potential distraction, they might be personally distracted. They might be reflecting. They might be worried about this pandemic and not thinking as clearly as they probably should be and just step out into the street. So the drivers really need to be proactive about keeping their foot over that brake pedal and seeing people approach the road and staying engaged, especially with all these people walking in in bikes that are out there. Yeah. And Dan, I would just draw attention to what you have in this guidebook here about respect for all road users. All of us are people walking. Some of us may be also biking and some of us are driving, but all of us should be showing each other respect on the road because we're all people and we all want to get safely to where we're going. So, you know, any, like it says here, any respect and kindness that goes towards other road users really can go a long way. Absolutely. Jeremy, why don't you take us to the next one? Sure. So just to kind of pick up on where you guys left off there, you know, it's so important to realize that we're in these big, heavy vehicles. And when it really comes down to it, it is going to be the responsibility of you as a driver to make sure that everything you do is done safely. And so we want to make sure we're always yielding to pedestrians, whether they're in a crosswalk or not, right? They're not protected. You are, you can stop. We need to make sure we do that. And we take the safest or, or best way to say it, we take the most precaution as we approach any pedestrians near the road or leaving the road. We want to make sure we always yield to them. We want to make sure we avoid the double threat. So let's think about what that means, right? It's in the book here. Never pass another vehicle that has stopped or is slowing down for a pedestrian. So we've probably all seen this as experienced drivers before, whether an actual incident occurred or not. I've definitely seen it many times. A car slows down to let somebody go let a, a bicycle cross the road, a pedestrian that's walking, and maybe it's a two-lane road, and then you see another car go flying by. So you want to make sure you instill in your new driver very early on to, to really talk about this situation and to instill in them that when that first car stops, there's a reason. You might not be able to see the pedestrian or the bicycle or whatever it might be that might be crossing or entering the road, but if that other car stops, it's for a good reason. And so at the very least, you're going to slow down, you're going to try to stop, you're going to make sure you can see before you cross that intersection or that crosswalk, whatever it might be. So you really want to make sure we we look for those situations. In an earlier podcast, we talked about how dangerous it can be to stop and wave somebody by when you don't have complete control over the situation. And so this is sort of looking at it the other way too. When you're approaching and somebody else has stopped, make sure that it is safe to proceed before you do so. And if you need to come to a stop, that's fine. Stop first. And I would add too, in doing some research about the types of crashes that have been involved with the highest number of pedestrian fatalities, the double threat is one of the most dangerous situations for people walking 
uh, across the street to face. And we find that there are more and more fatalities as a result of this. So just to echo what Jeremy was saying, it's incredibly important that you make sure and assume that someone's stopping for a reason rather than going around them. So Dan, I want to talk about bicycles as well, because they have a right to be on the road. And in in many areas, they're not allowed to be. They're actually banned from being on the sidewalk. So we want to make sure we give them the space that they need and the respect that they deserve. You're driving in that metal box at a high speed. They're driving on a small metal frame. They don't have any protection, okay? And they they have limited visibility as well. So when you're passing a bicycle, make sure that you give them plenty of space, right? At least, at least the three feet of space that it recommends here, but I'd really encourage more if it's possible. And if you have the ability to change lanes, if there's more than one lane to move away from them further, I definitely encourage you to do that as well. We just need to make sure that we, you know, as Stacey was saying before, we respect everybody and bicycles is a big one. Dan mentioned earlier that there's more bicycles on the road than there ever has been. And with the popularity of electric bikes now and so many more people going out and getting exercises this spring, it's really important that we provide the space that they need. And if we can't pass them safely, then we don't pass them and we wait for a safe space to do that. Jeremy, I'll add, we talked at length about distractions behind the wheel, but I think it's worth repeating. Everyone who embraces the idea that you shouldn't be texting and driving seems to think that when you're stopped at a stoplight or a stop sign, it's an okay time to grab your phone, check your messages, check your text. And and it is still against the law, but a lot of folks don't quite appreciate why they shouldn't be doing this. And again, it bears repeating, we had referenced some research out of Utah, where once you take yourself out of situational awareness, when you're behind the wheel of the vehicle, you stop, you pick up that phone, or you decide to start reading something in your paperwork or start playing around with the dashboard of your car and reprogramming something, whatever it may be, you're no longer paying attention, looking out the window and seeing what's going on. Once that light turns green and either you accelerate quickly because you don't want somebody to honk at you or somebody does honk at you. So you accelerate quickly as a reaction. You're out of situational awareness for a healthy 27 seconds. So you're driving forward for almost 30 seconds without completely seeing all that was in your field of view before you had stopped. And that's a horrific time for people in the roadways who may be riding their bicycle. They may be a block or two ahead of you and about to cross the road and you don't really see them because you've got that tunnel vision as you first pull out of the intersection you were stopped at. So it really is worth repeating. You need to stay focused while you're behind the wheel, even if you're stopped. Keep those cell phones and other distractions at bay and pay attention, particularly to the bicyclists and and pedestrians that are out there. Dan, that's a great point. And I was just thinking about what Stacey was saying earlier about putting yourself in other people's kind of shoes, respecting everybody. And I did take a bike safety course a number of years ago and kind of looking at it from that other side. You're on the bicycle and you're at an intersection and they actually talk about that right? My people might not be paying attention. So as you go start to go straight through that intersection, you got to be really cautious of people turning right or turning left that might not be aware that you're there. They might be in the car stopped at that intersection. And actually the bike along the side of the road might actually be going a little bit faster and they might meet right at that right turn or left turn. And so we really need to make sure we're looking for those people. You know, we, we talked about when passing somebody on a bicycle to make sure you give them enough space, but then also remember that if it's only another couple hundred yards down the road that you're going to be making that right-hand turn, you need to make sure you know where they are because you could be making that right turn and all of a sudden you turn right into them and cut them off. They have nowhere to go. So we need to make sure we avoid the right hook and left cross. And they're somewhat self-explanatory, but the right hook, you're turning right. And that means that between you, the vehicle, 
and the bicycle, right, is just a curb. And if you're turning right, you're blocking their way. And just make sure that there's nobody there, right? You just got to make sure you double check that area before you make that turn. And then the left cross is obviously you're crossing uh, across a lane of traffic. And if there's vehicles, bicycles or pedestrians potentially crossing that intersection, you need to make sure you're watching for that, not just oncoming cars, but pedestrians and bicycles as well. Jeremy, I just wanted to add one other potential hazard for people walking and biking is an, is an intersection with a multi-use trail. There are more people walking and running and biking on multi-use trails than there have been ever before. And there are more trails in existence than ever before. And those trail crossings, when a road hits that trail, aren't as safe as we'd like them to be because most of them were designed originally for railroads, right? And they had their own safety precautions for how vehicles would be stopped before the train came across. But nowadays, oftentimes it will feel like a cyclist or a jogger or runner just pops out of the trees because that ability to see them is is hampered by vegetation or just isn't designed for that. So when you see signs for multi-use trail crossings and crosswalks ahead of you, it's a great idea to just go ahead and start slowing down before you get there. Because although people biking and walking are supposed to stop and look, uh, you don't want to be that person that meets that person in the crosswalk while you're driving. So really just be particularly cautious around those those intersections and those crossings. Stacy, it's interesting how sometimes this podcast brings things up for me that it's I never really realized I do it. I, I definitely, as you were talking, realized I now stop at every single one of those, what I would call biking and walking trail crosswalks. Usually they have a crosswalk there and they have some sort of maybe like stop for pedestrians or something like that sign. But I've just started stopping there every time because I'm just not comfortable going through there with any sort of speed because there could be somebody that just pops up, maybe somebody on their bike that just didn't notice. And I don't want to take somebody's life. So I think just that much easier. You just stop there when you know you can at the very least like you said slow down you know i'm not stopping they're generally not on high speed roads it's usually 35 mile an hour speed and something like that so it's not a huge deal to stop there uh, just to be a little bit safer exactly so jeremy uh, i notice one of the subjects has to do with passing safely and giving space to those who are sharing the roads with us or or again preparing to cross why don't you talk about that a little bit and, and i'll add something as well Sure. So we talked about bikes, uh, and obviously there can be pedestrians and people on the side of the roads for other reasons as well. And we have to remember that there's garbage collectors and there's police officers and tow truck operators. And anytime there's somebody on the road surface or close to the side of the road surface, it's worth moving over and giving them plenty of space. They don't have protection. They can't move quickly. You're in a vehicle moving at a much higher rate of speed, and it's your responsibility to make sure that everybody around you is safe. And so just to talk uh, to your young driver about how important it is to make sure that they bring that speed down, that they move over, right? You see a lot of stuff on the news and, and, you know, traffic signs more and more now talking about how when you see blue lights, you you know, you need to move over. And we need to make sure we're respecting uh, everybody out there, but especially law enforcement, fire, emergency crews, anybody that's out there risking their lives being on the side of the road. We often will drive wherever we look. I think you've now heard me talk about this probably close to a thousand times in this podcast. And so make sure that your vision is not locked on that police car on the side of the road or locked on that bicyclist or locked on that pedestrian or that work crew that you need to make sure you're looking further down the road and that when you can, you move over. 
wherever you go is where you look. And if you don't want to hit that person, don't look at that person. You still see them in your peripheral vision, just your concentration shouldn't be directly on them. It tends to, to bring you right towards them. I might bring up too, Jeremy, the issue about other people in the roads. You might see that people that use automated wheelchairs, they often may be on the side of the road rather than on the sidewalk. And you might think, why were they? Why are they doing that? They shouldn't do that. I'm, I'm not going to give them the space that it, that they deserve. If you've ever ridden in one of those before, you know most sidewalks are really not. The surfaces are are really not that smooth. And for those people that are, have health conditions that put me put them in those chairs, that vibration and that rumbling can be really uncomfortable for them. So the smooth road may much be much more comfortable for them to use their wheelchair. So if you're seeing them there, don't assume that they're doing it to be difficult or they're doing it to, for any other reason than to really make themselves feel better and comfortable as they move from one place to another. And, and be sure to look out for people like that. You may see that happen often in sort of urban centers or town centers or downtown corridors where you may see people that have accessibility challenges in the road and, and just be respectful of them as well. It just goes back to that respect over and over and over again. Right. I mean, if you're in a wheelchair and you need to be in that road service because there's no sidewalk or that it's for health reasons and safer for you, then respect them. Right. I mean, we can't assume that, oh, this person just wants to get in my way and I'm a I, I drive a car. So I have the right of way. You it's exactly the opposite of that. You're in the car. So you don't have the right of way. Right. Make sure that you're letting other people go and you're making sure that everybody else around you is safe. And, and again, the infrastructure may not be built for them, right? So there may be some sidewalks that don't have curb ramps that they can't get their wheelchairs up onto the sidewalk. So again, another point to just remember to, that you may see them out there and that's why they're there. Jeremy, how does the time of day, you know, it's nighttime, what, what should we be looking for there? Well, you know, we have that very difficult time right between daylight and nightfall, that, that dangerous dusk time where people tend to disappear. As humans, our eyes do, do not do well in this 45 minute to an hour time period. It doesn't adjust very well. And so we often will miss people on the side of the road, people on bicycles, and we need to make sure that we're always looking for reflectors and lights, that sort of thing. But there are going to be times when people aren't wearing reflectors and they're not wearing things that that reflect light or that help them be visible at night. And obviously, if we see those, we, we know what it is, we give them space. But we need to be looking for the people that don't have them on for whatever reason. They weren't expecting to go out or they, they just forgot it or they just didn't know it's something that's necessary. But we need to make sure that we are really paying extra attention when it's getting darker out. It, obviously, it, with limited visibility, it's going to be a lot harder to see these people. And so we're generally reducing our speed to begin with to make sure that we're that much safer and we can stop and have more control. But we need to really be scanning the area for people that might be out there. And that's in rural areas and in cities all over the place. One of the things I think having a parent sitting in the passenger seat, our new driver is going to benefit from that extra set of eyes. And granted, for much of our lives, uh, probably not uh, the best thing for the environment, but we do spend a lot of time driving with only ourselves in the driver's seat. But one of the things I would encourage parents to set the expectation for their new driver is that when they, the parent, or really anybody's driving with someone, it's helpful to be the eyes for that person and, and help them out along the way. I can't tell you how many times I have said in a, the passenger seat to not just my kids, but other family members and other friends I've been driving with, hey, do you see this pedestrian? And sometimes people get a little defensive 
you know, that you're pointing, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I try to coach my kids and others, you know, it's not a good time to get defensive about that. It, two eyes are better than one. And if you can point out somebody who might be wearing, you know, darker clothing or might be traveling a little quick and it looks like they're about to jump off the curb, everybody wins. And there's so many distractions. I know, Stacy, I've I recall a presentation that we looked at with all the different signs that were in an intersection. And I mean, we can have three signs that say, look for pedestrians that people's eyes are too busy looking at the signs to actually see the pedestrians. So there's some legitimate distractions that are out there that some of our intersections and some of our roadways really need to be redesigned so that they're less distracting to the driver. So don't be afraid to be that helpful passenger, both as the parent who's helping your teen, but to other drivers in the future to try to reduce these problems. You know, we already talked about the best way to to try to eliminate the blind spot in our car altogether. But we are talking about a situation now where it's not just people passing you on the highway. It's not just other automobiles that are fairly large. This could just be individual pedestrians or bicyclists. And so we need to make sure that we are really checking those blind spots. So we have our mirrors set up properly, but maybe we use that small tilt to the side to make sure there's nothing right up against our car. And we still move our head a bit to make sure that there's nobody around us. It's a good idea anytime to do that. It's great to not have the blind spot, the simple blind spot in your mirror, but we still have that head turn to make sure that we we have that peripheral vision and to make sure there's nobody there. And we always want to do this, especially before we make a turn, right? That right hook and that left cross. These are perfect times to make sure that you're actually turning your head to make sure that there's nobody there. Now, when we talk about how dangerous doors can be, we can talk about this in a couple different ways. So, you're going to park in a, in a fairly busy area on the side of the road. You've parallel parked your car because, because you've become an expert at that now. And you go to open your door. Well, we got to think about not only could there be a car coming down and just take your door right off, but how dangerous this could be for somebody on a bicycle in this situation, right? They're traveling down the road at whatever speed, you know, trying to keep up with traffic the best they can and stay safe. And all of a sudden, a door just gets flung open in front of them. We've probably seen it in movies and we've probably heard about it many times before. But it is definitely a real thing, and we need to be very cautious here. And the recommendation that they have here in the book, we were really, Dan and I were both really happy to see, and I'm sure Stacy too, uh, is called the Dutch Reach. Okay, so here's the basic idea here you're going to open your door, and the flow of traffic is continuing past your door. We first check our rear view mirror, then we check our side view mirror. And then what we're going to do is not use the hand closest to the door. We're going to actually put that down. And we're going to use the hand that's further from the door to reach over and actually open it. Now, that does two things for us. First, it forces us to turn our body and look. And not only that, but it also forces us to open the door slowly. We can't just fling it open like we often would in maybe a parking lot or when we get we get home at the end of the day. Uh, we can only open it a little bit. It allows us to actually look in that direction. And I, you guys might, uh, at this point, can tell in the podcast, I tend to actually uh, act this stuff out as I'm talking about it. So maybe you can hear me turning. But it really does work. You open the door a little bit. You can see what's coming. And then when it's safe to do so, you can open the door a little bit more. Not only is it safer for cars coming down the road and for bicycles that could be trying to pass you, but it's safer for you as well. There's no reason to just fling your door open and fly out of the car into the middle of a a busy intersection or busy road. And so make sure you take that extra time, use that what they call Dutch reach. It was they call it that because it was 
it really comes from the Netherlands, where there's a lot of bicyclists, more so than there are here in the United States. We're getting so much more active as a society here, walking and biking than we ever have before. This stuff is becoming that much more important. Jeremy, I think that puts a pretty good bow on sharing the road. But before we sign off, Stacy, our audience is primarily made up of parents who are working with new drivers. These parents may have younger children. They certainly have parents of their own that are out there walking the streets. And just if there's any suggestions or just general concepts you'd love to kind of get everyone aware of with regards to pedestrian safety. Sure. Thanks, Dan. I think the number one thing that young drivers need to understand, well, and any driver for that matter, is that speed is the number one danger for people walking along the street and across the street. If you're driving 40 miles an hour and you hit someone, that person has only a 20% chance of surviving. If you're only driving 20 miles an hour and you hit that same person, that person now has an 80% chance of surviving. So 20 miles an hour can make a huge difference. And those are really general statistics. If you have um, somebody that's older that might be uh, a victim of, a, of traffic violence or somebody younger, those numbers look worse. So I think it's incredibly important to remember that no matter where you're going, you don't have to get there that fast if it means that you could be taking somebody's life by being either distracted or driving too quickly. You know, and I'm sure Dan and Jeremy have all talked to you about the issues around reaction speed and how fast you're driving really does affect your reaction speed. So the number one thing that we talk about in my organization is slow down. And what we really work to do is get that infrastructure, that built environment, to be such that so those roads are designed so that you can't drive fast. And that is really the best way to get that behavior change and that actual results is thinking about the engineering of that road and making sure that as people driving that we can't drive fast enough to really hurt someone walking or biking on the street. So I, I would just say as you know, the public service announcement of uh, Walk Boston when it comes to, to pedestrian safety is really about slowing drivers down. We all have that responsibility to make sure that everybody gets home after they've left to do whatever it is they do. That's the biggest message that I can give to young drivers and all drivers is, is to just check your speed. Stacy, thank you. And again, one more time where we're talking about there's not a large speed difference. You know, when we hear all these parents who have been coaching their kids, well, you're probably not going to get a speeding ticket if you're only going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. Here's a great example where a 10 mile an hour slower could save a life. And we've already talked to you about just three miles an hour can mean the difference between staying in control and not being in control. So speed kills. And to Stacy's point, everybody deserves to be able to accomplish what they had set out to do that day. So keep the roads safe for them. Jeremy, Stacy, thank you very much for joining us today. Those of you who tuned in or downloaded our podcast, we appreciate it. And we look forward to you hearing us again soon. <laughs>